legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! I participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Good morning. Roto experts. To the end zone. It's the mark of fantasy excellence. You have to be careful about who you think is stepping forward on the depth chart. It's caught for a touchdown. You are now tuned in to the Roto experts. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. Hello and welcome back to the Roto Experts Daily Podcast, our first podcast of February, as we're here with you five days a week, every weekday. You can always hit me up at, at Scott E. Roto X on Twitter and ask me any questions you like for the show. And uh, don't forget, coming up Sunday morning, we have a special Super Bowl edition of the Roto Experts in the morning from 8 to noon on the live on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. We're going to have some great guests. We're going to have uh, Ross Tucker. Make sure you check out uh, his multiple podcasts. Uh, Ross has a few of them, actually, the, Roto, the Ross Tucker Media Podcast being one of them. Uh, we'll also have NFL insider Dan Graziano with us Sunday morning. And uh, also we'll have... Uh, former New York Mets third baseman and special assistant to the GM, David Wright, on a Super Bowl Sunday. So uh, a lot of great guests uh, to, that we may have more than that. So make sure you tune in Sunday morning as Joe Galeen and I preview Super Bowl 53. Go to rotoexperts.com right now and uh, make sure that you check out the latest uh, Super Bowl coverage from Davis Maddock, he previews, you go to the NFL tab, click on that, previewing uh, pass defense, uh, the passing game, uh, to take, taking a look at uh, the game from next-gen perspectives, a lot of angles from Davis Maddock uh, to check out for Super Bowl 53, including his latest on player props. Also, my latest Keeper League column, the Keeper Corner, my brand new column that runs weekly in which I answer your Keeper questions and also spotlight certain players that may uh, lead to tough Keeper decisions. This week, I'm spotlighting Philip Lindsay. I'm also talking about Dante Pettis, Nick Chubb, Julian Edelman, and a whole other guy, bunch of guys as Keepers. You want to get your questions in, so I answer them, but even if... if uh, if I'm not answering your question in that article, I have a lot of very comprehensive answers that a lot of Keeper League players should pay attention to. So uh, lots to check out on uh, rotoexperts.com. We are now uh, just two days away from Super Bowl 53 in Atlanta, Georgia, as the New England Patriots go for their sixth Super Bowl victory. And the Rams are going for their second and their first victory as the Los Angeles Rams, because me personally, 
Uh, I think the Los Angeles Rams and the St. Louis Rams are two different teams. How many people from Los Angeles actually rooted for the St. Louis Rams? I don't think too many. How many people from St. Louis are rooting for the Los Angeles Rams? I I don't think too many. The, the players, they may look at it differently. They actually wear the uniforms and they're connected to the franchise. No matter where the franchise goes, they follow. So the players look at it differently. But from a fan perspective, I, I doubt you'll find too many people that connect to two franchises. So how do we uh how do we rank these players for Super Bowl 53? Well, as uh let's go position by position really quickly uh and I'll tell you what I think. Uh quarterback, I think it's pretty easy. I'm going to go Brady over Goff. Uh this is a big stage for Goff. Uh very impressive uh drive drive to win the game again in the NFC title game. I think you know you have to give him credit for that. But he's been very up and down since week 12, like we were talking about yesterday. He's still missing Cooper Cup. You don't know what Bill Belichick is going to throw at him defensively. Like I was saying, the uh, the Patriots are probably going to load up against the run here and uh, force the game into Goff's hands and against a good defense like that and a great defensive mind. Uh, I, I think Goff hasn't put up impressive numbers in the playoffs and I'm not looking for a big statistical game here. So I'll take Brady, who's, who could get 300 yards easy on a certain amount of completions. And uh, he should get more than one touchdown pass, I would think. But even if he doesn't, I think he throws for over 300 yards again. Just because, uh, you know, there's going to be so, so many short passes and uh, high percentage plays that are just going to add up as they, as they have throughout the playoffs for Brady. Uh, I think Brady, you know, has the uh, obvious uh, advantage in terms of experience. I'm not expecting huge numbers from either quarterback, but if I had to bet that one of them was going to have a bigger game, I would probably go with Brady. I think there's a higher floor with Brady. Uh, you might think there was a higher ceiling with Goff because of his receivers, but I think if Brady's got to take a deep shot or two, he can do it. Uh, both these teams, they have different type of weapons. The uh, the Rams can can beat you down the field more, but Brady's a higher percentage passing passer. So I'm going to take Brady over Goff. But hey, if you want to go contrarian, go with Goff when you're playing daily or in any other format. Uh, he does have more upside with with his targets. He does have Brandon Cooks, whereas the deep threat for Brady is is Philip Dorsett. So there's a there's a big difference there. But I have more confidence in Brady to have a solid game than Goff. So I'll go Brady over Goff. And uh and wide receiver, uh my the the first guy obviously has to be Julian Edelman. Julian Edelman is the second all-time leading receiver in the postseason behind the, the legendary Jerry Rice. Uh I think at some point it might be fun to have a talk about whether Julian Edelman is a Hall of Famer or not. The the, the post the pre the regular season stats aren't fantastic, but He's been so good in the postseason that you have to take that into account. Uh, he has faced the best. He has often come away successful. Uh, he is Brady's top target. He is nearly uncoverable. You look at his game logs this year, and from weeks 4 through 14 on, I believe he had just one single-digit point game in PPR. And although the yardage numbers aren't always fantastic, you're always going to get five to seven catches and a good chance of a touchdown. 
Uh, he had 850 yards and six touchdowns and over 70 receptions in just 12 games this year. So you got to rank Julian Edelman first. I would probably go Robert Woods second. Uh, Goff needs him as his high percentage guy to move the chains. So, you know, especially if the uh, Patriots are going to load up against the run and he's going to check down to the pass. Uh, you know, that, that's his, that's his most dependable receiver right now. So I'll probably go Robert Woods second, uh, Brandon Cooks is third, but if he still, he sees a lot of Steven Gilmore, uh, you know, that could cap his upside, but you know, Hey, this is another revenge game for Brandon Cooks, two in a row. And, uh, they'll try to get him the ball. He, he's, he's the one big playmaker on either side of the ball here. Uh, after that, I'm going to go Josh Reynolds, as Davis Maddock has pointed out on RotoExperts.com. Next Gen Stats indicates that no receiver gets more average cushion in the league than Josh Reynolds. Uh, that doesn't mean the Patriots will do it, but if they're they're uh, looking to shut down the other top receivers, that could open up things for Josh Reynolds. And he is a consistent threat in the red zone, so I'm going to go. I'm going to go Josh Reynolds fourth. After that. Uh, there's really nobody else on the Rams that I really want to think about as a fantasy target. So I'll probably probably have to go Chris Hogan fifth. Uh, Hogan's been very disappointing overall, but uh, you know there's a possibility against this secondary with uh, with the Rams being very occupied with Gronkowski and and Edelman that uh, you know Hogan's going to get a chance uh, to make a few plays here. You know Hogan's a type, but he has played much better. Over the last three games, including the playoffs, uh, interesting prop about three catches are over that me and Gabe Morrissey were talking about. I believe the last prop that I saw was like three, three and a half over under. Uh, Hogan can catch four to six passes in this game, so I'll probably, I'll probably rank him fifth, and then uh, after that, you go. I would go Philip Dorsett sixth uh, if Brady wants to take a shot and hit a big play. And then uh, Corderell Patterson, seventh, who I really don't expect to catch a pass at all. As uh, far as tight ends go, uh, Rob Gronkowski is obviously not what he what he was, but he did make some big catches in the uh, in the AFC Championship game, and there's always a chance of him scoring a touchdown. This could be Gronkowski's final game. Uh, and after that, uh, it's really who do you prefer between Everett and Higby? I think Higby is more of a guy that Jared Goff would like on third downs and key passing downs, whereas, whereas Everett is more of a guy that he would like to hit the big play in the red zone. So I'll probably go with Everett for more upside than Higby. And uh, after that, there's really nothing to look about it at tight end. Uh, when you go to the running backs, Todd Gurley would seem to be the number one guy but we just don't know how much he's going to play. Sean McVay said he's going to play, quote, significant role, end quote. But if he's part of a timeshare, that's still a significant role. So we just don't know if he's going to be the featured back. So my number one back, especially if you're going to play in a PPR format here, although it's scaled back a little bit on FanDuel where it's a half PPR, uh, I'm going to go James White, number one, uh, I, I think the line from all of us fantasy analysts is that Brady needs to get the ball quickly out of his hand and throw it a lot to White. You know, White also occasionally can uh, 
carry the ball and maybe score a touchdown. He's, he does have some dual versatility there. So I'm going to go with James White, number one. Uh, I'm going to go, I'm going to go with Sony Michelle number two, because he's had a great playoff run here. And even though White's going to be a big part of the game, you know, when they would get down near the goal line, that Sony Michelle is the guy, the Rams have played better and much better against the run in the playoffs, but they were 23rd against the run during the regular season. So that, that's something to consider. Uh, will the Patriots try to wear the Rams down with Sony Michelle? He's definitely the best bet for getting in the end zone. So I'm, I'm going to go White and then Michelle. After that, I'll go Todd Gurley because I just don't know what his workload is going to be like. And then after after that, uh, C.J. Anderson, because if Gurley is at 100%, obviously he gets part in the timeshare there as well. Uh, after that, uh, I think Rex Burkhead is really only realistically the guy that you can think about. You know, the Patriots, then Josh McDaniels will always try to keep a defense off balance. To me, Burkhead's a sneaky play because the Patriots are always thinking ahead of the defense. And people give a lot of that credit to Belichick, but, but McDaniels is the offensive coordinator. He should get a lot of credit. And if we're thinking that there's going to be a lot of White and a lot of Michelle. Well, the Patriots always try to keep a step ahead and do something different, and maybe Rex Burkhead plays a unique role in this game. So Rex Burkhead is a possible sleeper, I think, for Super Bowl 53. After that, you know, you want to take a, a dice roll on James Devlin. That's uh, pretty much up to you. Uh, if you got to pick one of the two defenses, uh, these defenses are both well-coached. Uh, Wade Phillips on one side. But uh, I think when you look at the quarterbacks, Brady's going to get the ball out of his hands so fast that he hardly ever gets sacked. And, you know, Belichick is still facing a young quarterback. I think you always look for sacks of turnovers first and foremost, and I think the Patriots have a better chance of that, of that. So I'll take the Patriots over the Rams when you're looking at defense. So... There is my uh, there are my Super Bowl rankings for Super Bowl Fifty Three. Uh, as far as my final prediction, I believe that uh, that again, like I've been saying for all week, that the Patriots are going to try to put the uh, ball in the hands of Jared Goff, and ultimately, I don't know if he can carry this team to a to a Super Bowl title over Tom Brady and Bel Belichick. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with the Patriots to win this in a close one. I'm going to say 34 to 30, New England. And uh, that makes, means it's going to hit the over. Uh, Tom Brady will have his sixth Super Bowl title. He said he's not going to retire. This might be the end of Rob Gronkowski, though. He was telling reporters about all the wear and tear on his body over the years and how it's really caught up to him and how people who don't play in the NFL really don't understand. So to me, and I'm just speculating here, it, it sounds like a, a guy who might be on the verge of hanging it up after a uh, just a spectacular, spectacular career. Uh, easy Hall of Fame guy, uh, one of the best tight ends of all time, maybe the best pass-catching tight end of all time. Uh, it was just such a matchup nightmare for defenders with his size, his speed, his quickness. Uh, most uncoverable tight end I've ever seen. Uh, probably the best receiving tight ends I've ever seen are Pim and Shannon Sharp, 
And uh, if I had to take one of them in his prime, I'd probably take Gronkowski just because of his size. So some other NFL news. Uh, a report coming out about the Dallas Cowboys, according to ESPN's Adam Schefter. The Cowboys are not going to ex- uh, extend Jason Garrett, which uh, I think makes sense. Uh, you know, There was a lot of uh, positive talk about the Cowboys after they won the division. And then they won the wild card game. But once again, uh, you know, the Cowboys have not played in a conference championship game since 1996. So, you know, Jerry Jones wants to get more out of this team. I think, you know, he's he's been more than patient with, with uh, Jason Garrett. But uh, I, I think the problem personally is Jerry Jones here. When you, there are certain combinations in the NFL that just work so well, like you've seen with Brady and Belichick and and Montana and uh, and Walsh, and uh, sometimes that's just not coach quarterback. Sometimes, you know, you you look you look at Seattle and uh, Pete Carroll and John Schneider, and uh, you, you look at other teams, and I look back to the '90s Cowboys and Jerry Jones and Jimmy Johnson. Or just such a great combination as an owner and a coach. And Jerry let Jimmy handle the football side of things. And the Cowboys became one of the greatest teams of all time. But since then, the the Cowboys have never, never gotten past the divisional round. Uh, they've, been, they've been a playoff bust. And when you look at the record since 1996 of how they've done in the postseason... You know, this team doesn't deserve all the glory and the hype that it gets. You know, it seems like outside of the Patriots, no other team gets more buzz than the Dallas Cowboys, and they don't deserve it. You know, they've been a they've been a uh, a so-so franchise since 1996, and maybe ultimately getting rid of Jason Garrett is going to change that. He's only he's only won two playoff games. Uh, in his entire tenure, going back to 2010, he was 1-3 going into this year's against game against Seattle. He's 77-59, and 59, which certainly isn't bad, but, uh, you know, he's he's more of a regular season. He's had three double-digit win seasons, but when you consider, you know, that he's been there since 2010, that's not that impressive. Now, of course, you will get the Cowboy fans with their fantasy of uh, – going to the Super Bowl in 2014 if Dez would have got the catch. But, you know, that's just made-up fantasy from Cowboy fans. They, they If Dez would have made the catch, there still would have been four minutes left on the clock, and that defense was going to stop Aaron Rodgers, you can tell me. And they, they assumed that they would have went to Seattle next week and the following week and would have won. I think that's a hell of a lot to assume, a hell of a lot. So, you know, the, the facts are – is that the Cowboys have not been a good friend, uh, uh, an elite franchise since 1996. They, I, I don't understand all the hype and the buzz that they get. And, you know, the America's team thing is old. Amer- America's team, that's the New England Patriots. You know, Amer- the Cowboys were named deservedly America's team in the 70s and 90s because they were on the TV all the time, and everybody knew who they were, and everybody loved and hated them. You know, that's the Patriots nowadays. Everybody who doesn't even watch football knows who Tom Brady is, and nobody on social media gets more mentions than the Patriots 
and Tom Brady. So they're America's team. And the how about them Cowboys thing, that's from 23 years ago. Okay? You got to get something new. That shows how how long it's been since the Cowboys have been true contenders. And it's Jerry Jones' fault because, you know, he tries to meddle himself too much into the personnel type uh, side of things, and that's just not his thing. Jerry Jones is in the Hall of Fame for what he's done for marketing as an owner for the league, and he deserves all of that, but he's not a personnel guy. He wanted to. He was jealous of Jimmy Johnson and what Jimmy Johnson could do in personnel, and he's tried to make himself that guy all along, and he hasn't been. Jerry, own the team. Let somebody else run the personnel side. Ever since Jimmy Johnson and you broke up, neither one of you has been the same. Jimmy Johnson ended up in the broadcast booth, never had the same type of success in Miami that he did in Dallas. Jerry Jones has never been able to mirror the same type of success that he's had with Jimmy Johnson. That was a great marriage, and because it broke up, the Cowboys have never been the same. They've never been able to recover. Now, uh, some other – and Jason Garrett, you know, the results really haven't been there in eight years as a coach. You know, the, the fans want more, the owner wants more, and Garrett really hasn't been able to give it to him. Uh, only two and three in the playoffs – and uh, three double-digit winning seasons. Uh, I, I think the Cowboys got to come up with somebody better. I think if Jerry Jones was smart, which he's not going to be about this, that he would bring in somebody who could be a coach and a general manager type and have his own imprint on the team. But I just don't think that he's going to do that. Uh, they also hired John Kitten as the quarterback's coach and Kellen Moore as the offensive coordinator. Uh, I find that very interesting. You know, two guys – uh, who were actually former quarterbacks for the Cowboys. And John Kitna was actually coaching high school football. And, you know, that's a guy when he played, I always felt that he eventually was going to be a coach. Because from when I watched Kitna, I could see that the game mentally became came very easily to him, but physically it did not. He always tried to make plays that I think more talented guys could get, get away with. Uh, I, I think John Kitten is a guy that you, you have to watch who might actually ascend, you know, to be an offensive coordinator at some point because uh, I think the guy is, has a lot of smarts about the NFL. Now, you just listen to my whole rant. You, you probably the Cowboy fans out there. You say, Scott, you're a hater. You, you hate the Cowboys. You know, that's why you're saying all of that. And it's not true. I don't hate the Dallas Cowboys. It's just, you know, to me uh, – I think they get a lot more buzz and they get a lot, a lot more hype than they deserve because they're not a consistently contending team. Uh, but I think they've won four playoff games since 1996. You know, that's that that to me that's that's not an elite franchise, and too many people treat it like an elite franchise. But uh, hey, you know, there's something to be said for loyalty for those those Cowboy fans who are really stuck in there throughout all those years where they haven't even got to the conference championship. But look. I, I don't hate them. You know, I, I know a lot of Cowboy fans, and if the Cowboys could turn this uh, this this mediocrity since 1996 around, I know a lot of Cowboy fans that I'll be happy for, like Adam Rodas, Corey Parson, etc. You know, I don't hate Dallas. It's just, uh, it's just I think they're a very overrated franchise. So, uh, but you know, they, they look, Garrett's got to get something done here. So he's got two new guys under his direction there. 
And uh, we'll, we'll see what they do for the team. You know, fantasy-wise, I'll be very, very interested to see if uh, if they do something in the offseason to maybe get another pass catcher. I've mentioned Jared Cook as, uh, as somebody I would love to see in Dallas. Uh, we know the red zone problems that they've had. And, uh, and uh, you know, a guy like Jared Cook, you know, a big target there in the red zone could really, really help. Otherwise, you know, they have to get, I think they have to get one more pass catcher to really help out Dak Prescott. Uh, report from the Charlotte Observer, uh, Ron Rivera saying that Cam Newton has already shown marked improvement from shoulder surgery. This is good to hear. This is something we're going to have to monitor, obviously, throughout the offseason. Uh, I don't think we can assume anything. We have to wait and see how he heals. For those of you playing in keeper and dynasty leagues, uh, if you're looking at Cam Newton as a possible keeper, remember that quarterback is a very deep position. And uh, if not too many people in your league, if you look at you look at you scout it. You know what's the history of keepers in your leagues as far as keeping a quarterback. You know maybe you should throw Cam back and uh, you know see if you can get somebody that you won't have any question marks about in the draft. If you play in a dynasty league, you know you're going to have to look at a a backup quarterback situation. You're going to have to look at uh, at some of the rookies coming out. Uh, can a Dwayne Harris or a Drew Locke start right away? So uh, in, in this fantasy offseason, uh, you have to start thinking about you know what you're going to do with quarterback if you have Cam Newton on your roster. For for yearly players, it's just like okay, you know, we'll just wait till the summer and see where Cam is at in his recovery. But for keeper and dynasty league players, it's it's a lot tougher. Uh, you can't trade Cam really for anything in the Dynasty League because you're going to get lowballed back. If you can only keep three, uh, if if I had to assess it right now, uh, and I had to sacrifice a round to keep Cam Newton, I would sacrifice anywhere in the top four or five rounds to keep him. And if I could only keep three keepers, I'm not thinking about keeping Cam Newton at all. Uh, and obviously, we have to see how this plays out. What are the well, what are the Panthers going to do with the free agent market? You know, are they going to pick up a Terod Taylor or somebody like that? Uh, is, is it a landing spot for a backup quarterback like that who, if he's pushed into a starting job, could really do the do the do the job for the Carolina Panthers? So that's something they have to think about, and some that fantasy players have to watch. According to the New York Daily News. Uh, Manish Mehta says the Jets will not break the bank to sign Le'Veon Bell. Uh, you know, the Jets have been talked a lot about as a good landing spot for uh, Le'Veon Bell. I don't know if Le'Veon Bell wants to go necessarily to the Jets because he wants to go to a team that he feels maybe has a better shot to win. But here's what Le'Veon Bell has to consider. You know, it's been it's been 50 years now since the Jets' last Super Bowl appearance. And it's been uh, seven since they last made the playoffs. If Le'Veon Bell can come to New York and help the Jets actually get to a Super Bowl, whether win it or not, uh, get to a Super Bowl, he, he could actually be a hero in New York City. And, you know, that's something Le'Veon Bell has to consider. If, if the Jets can somehow attain some glory by getting Le'Veon Bell – that Le'Veon Bell can become a legend in this city, much like 
much like Nick Foles did in, in Philadelphia. If, uh, you know, I've seen it in this city. If, uh, you know, if Le'Veon Bell can help the Jets win the Super Bowl, he, he'll he never have to eat a meal again, and he'll become a, a legend for a lifetime in this city. That's something he has to consider. The Jets are looking to build for the future. They drafted their quarterback of the future last year in Sam Darnold, and they need to support him with a better running game. And who better to do it than Le'Veon Bell, who can also catch passes out of the backfield too. From a football perspective, it makes a ton of sense. He'd be the ideal fit, a superstar in that offense, to take pressure off of Sam Darnold and uh, you know to play in New York City. Now, you know he's going to be such a pariah in Pittsburgh, and people are going to hate him. But he can, he can come into a situation where if Le'Veon Bell aches a contract with the New York Jets, Le'Veon Bell jerseys are going to fly off the shelves in New York City. Immediately, he's going to make an impact. The, he, is, he is going to become the savior of the, of the long, soft-suffering New York Jets fan base. And they are going to take to him immediately. He's going to have marketing opportunities, etc., now you look at look at the money that he turned down from the Pittsburgh Steelers, and he may not get that on the open market. He may not be able to win with the Jets, but if he comes here and the Jets start contending for the AFC title again in the next year or two, Le- and Le'Veon Bell is going to come here and make an instant splash because of expectations. He's going to have all kind of marketing opportunities, which can make him more money playing in this New York slash New Jersey uh, tri-state area uh, sort of market. And then if the Jets actually win with him, this guy can become legendary. There's more upside for Le'Veon Bell to go to the New York Jets than anywhere else because even though that's a long-suffering fan base, that is a diehard fan base. They, the Jet fans are very, very loyal. They're very, very vocal. They're very passionate, etc. Le'Veon Bell, it makes a lot of sense for him to come to New York City. But look, he could also go to Philadelphia and uh, help them win a second Super Bowl. But Philadelphia doesn't have that sort of cap money. They would have to free up a lot. I, I just don't know if they have the money to go after Le'Veon Bell. They certainly don't right at this moment, but there's always unique ways to, uh, you know, skin something, clear up cap room, et cetera. The Eagles are another team that's definitely going to need. I don't see it happening in Indianapolis. They have Marlon Mack and Naheem Hines. I, I don't think they, they need Le'Veon Bell. Uh, if Le'Veon Bell wants to win right away, though, uh, Houston might be the best fit for him. Because I think Lamar Miller's not the answer. Uh, Deontay Foreman is a guy that has some potential, but we haven't seen enough of. But the the Jets are really going to be an ideal fit for Le'Veon Bell because I think it's on and off the field. And no matter where Le'Veon Bell goes, you know, I th- I think after a year off, you know, I think he can hit. Maybe he'll start slowly, but eventually, you know, this guy is just way too talented not to be a top 10 fantasy running back. So uh, for me, if, if, I, if, I was, uh, if I was watching where Le- Le'Veon Bell was going to go and thinking of an ideal landing spot, I, I think the New York Jets are, are really it for Le'Veon Bell. But then, you know, we're going to be talking about that a whole lot more uh, as free agency beckons, free agency starts to hit. Uh, 
Le'Veon Bell will become a centerpiede of, of that offense. And I, I just think they would become incredibly dangerous. You know, Robbie Anderson, you hope Quincy and Newton stays healthy. I really like Chris Hurst and Curtin. He's he's the missing piece in that puzzle. And if uh, I was the Jets, I would do whatever it would take to go after him. So uh, that's it for football today. I uh, hope you enjoy Super Bowl 53. And uh, wherever you may be watching it, we'll have uh, full coverage on the Fantasy Sports Network throughout the day, both pregame coverage and in-game coverage. And you get to hear Gabe Marcy rant uh, about the Super Bowl on, on, uh, on uh, Fantasy Football Live. Our pregame show, we'll have guest Ross Tucker, uh, ESPN NFL insider Dan Graziano, and uh, legendary New York Mets uh, captain David Wright as well. David is a big football fan, big fantasy football player. We'll find out what David Wright's prediction for Super Bowl 53 will be. Uh, moving on to baseball, as we talk about David Wright, uh, the Mets are one of two teams to rumored to be interested in Gio Gonzalez. Uh, the Padres is also a published report out there that the Padres might be interested in Gio Gonzalez. Gio had, uh, one of his best seasons two years ago, but, uh, a lot of fantasy baseball, uh, analysts felt he got very lucky, you know, with his strand rate and his BABIP, et cetera. He got off to a six and two start last year, but then everything just fell apart for him. Uh, Gio, who is really one of the nicest guys in, in the game that I've ever spoken to, has really had to remake himself as a pitcher over the last few years. He's lost his zip on his fastball and has become more of an off-speed type of guy. Uh, control has long been a bugaboo for him over the course of his career. He had 80 walks last year at a 144 ERA. But uh, if he goes to San Diego, that's a pitcher's park. And if the rest of your roster is pretty good on whip and you want to try Gio as maybe a, a, a back-end type of starter sort of guy, uh, if he signs in San Diego, you know, I'd be interested to see it. You know, look, you're looking right now, uh, you know, Gio Gonzalez is still one of those free agents that uh, you know, still is unsigned as we were under less than two weeks before spring trading, you know, we talk about Harper Machado, but there are still guys like Gio Gonzalez who have actually gone unsigned. So uh, I'll be interested, especially in a model league, uh, where he's going to go. City Field is also considered a pitcher's park, a little bit less than, than San Diego. Uh, my buddy Rich Mancuso, uh, who covers the Mets at Ring 786, uh, has been indicating uh, he's somebody who's close to that Gio Gonzalez camp and uh, somebody to follow if you want to follow, if you want to uh, find out where Gio Gonzalez is going to sign. Uh, there was talk from, from uh, Rich that that basically the Mets wanted to, to do a one-year deal and that, that the sides weren't uh, just about particularly close on that. So we'll have to wait to see uh, where Gio Gonzalez is going to land. Not one of the biggest stories of the offseason, but the Padres have seemingly been linked to everybody. The only uh, major acquisition that they've made, if you want to call it major, has been Ian Kinsler this offseason. We've heard that, uh, you know, we've heard this report that the Padres from MLB.com are interested in him, but we've also heard they're interested in Bryce Harper. Uh, they've been tied to Manny Machado. 
So are the Padres just trying to tease their fans here and not really do anything but say they're involved with everybody, kind of like the Twins did this last offseason? I'm starting to get that feeling. Also, uh, another published report coming out that Shohei Otani will not be ready for opening day. Uh, He has yet to take any swings. Originally, there were some projections thinking that maybe he might be ready towards the end of May. Uh, be surprising to see him pitch this year. Right now, his NFBC ADP is 117, but I can imagine it's going to drop after this report. Uh, Otani, with uh, with just over 320 uh, bats last year, hit 22 home runs. Uh, but the fact that he's not even got to swing yet, you know, he's going to be one of those guys that you have to stash and wait on. And, uh, you know, throughout, I would say throughout the second half of the year, you know, the, the power was very impressive last year. Uh, you know, good RBI bat, but, you know, you could be looking up to uh, anywhere from two months to a half of a missed season from Shohei Otani. So, you know, if you can draft him and stick him on your DL, you know, and you got those DL spots, I think it's definitely worth the wait. But I don't think I'd be expecting anything from him as a pitcher, uh, you know, coming up in 2019. All right, that's it for this week on the Roto Experts Daily Podcast. Thanks for listening, and uh, remember to get me uh, all your questions on Twitter at ScottyRotoX. And uh, enjoy Super Bowl 53. We'll see you Sunday morning live on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network with a special uh, Roto Experts edition from 8 to noon. Uh, make sure you join us, me and Joe Galena, then. See you on Sunday. 